Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of June 8th through June the 14th. I'm recording this today on Friday, June 5th, as the moon is uh, making its opposition to the sun at 15 degrees of Sagittarius, uh, about an hour and some change before our full moon lunar eclipse. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Lots of energy in the collective right now, and I'll do my best to unpack the astrology and hopefully provide some sort of guidance. Um, again, I don't have all the answers, but uh, we can try to unpack what we're experiencing, at least through the, the language of the symbols. So Tuesday, uh, the 9th, Venus is going to be retrograding back into the first decan of Gemini. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, Eight of Swords again and that kind of progression. On Wednesday, the 10th, the sun moves into the third decan of Gemini, and we'll discuss the Ten of Swords. On Thursday, the 11th, uh, the sun will be making a square to Neptune at 20 degrees. And on Friday, the 12th, Mars will move into the third decan of Pisces. We'll talk about the Ten of Cups. And then on Saturday, the 13th, uh, we're going to be experiencing our last quarter moon at 20 degrees, 22 degrees of Pisces to Gemini. And on that same day, Mars will conjoin Neptune at 20 degrees of Pisces. Uh, and the, one more thing for the week, Venus is going to emerge from under the sun's beams, uh, making a, a condition of phosphorus or an, an appearance that will be speaking. Uh, so we'll unpack all of that as we move forward. I'm going to share my screen here as we get to the essential dignities. Um, yeah, lots going on in the collective, huh? It's a... Uh, it's like we're living many lifetimes every day and um, step in, definitely an amplification of energy going on. Um, so let's take a look at these dignities here and I'll try to process all these things as we move forward. Um, so the sun this week is going to be moving from 17 degrees of Gemini in the second decan to 24 degrees where it is peregrine. And the sun will be in the terms of Mars from 17 to 24 degrees. So we've got a, a sun that is, uh, has just become full as you're listening to this. Uh, we're in the middle of an eclipse energy, which is a, uh, a big chapter marker, uh, an, an ending of sorts. Um, all eclipses are very close to the lunar nodes, and that, those are thought of places in the... In the um, in the sky or in the, the universe or whatnot, where the energy is either coming in at the north node or, or at Rahu, the, the mouth of the dragon, or where it's going out at Ketu, the, the severed body, anus of the universe. And full moon eclipses tend to be have the moon conjoining with the south node or close to it. So we have some, some things we're letting go of at this full moon. And we're going to kind of be on the, the back end of this cycle, so to speak. Uh, with the sun and the moon as we're moving from the waxing energy building to the full moon to the waning energy this week where we're processing everything that we've experienced over this lunar cycle and trying to integrate it into our lives. Um, Saturn this week will still be retrograde in the sign of Aquarius in the first decade where it has rulership by domicile. It is the triplicity ruler of the air signs by day. And Saturn will be in the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. Jupiter is retrograde in the sign of Capricorn, the third decan of Capricorn, 
where it is in its fall. It's in its depression, uh, where it's not really functioning at its, at its best. Um, it'll be in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees, and then the terms of Saturn from 22 to 26 degrees. So when we're looking at these planets and their condition, we have to think about which planet is hosting them as well. So the sun is going to be hosted by Mercury this week. Okay, so Mercury is providing resources from the sign of Cancer. Uh, Saturn is providing its own resources. And Jupiter is going to be being provided resources by Saturn as well. So, you know, when we talk about Jupiter and its fall, especially retrograde, Jupiter has um, correlations or sort of essential essences with uh, confirmation with judgment, with morality, with stabilizing things. And when it's moving through Capricorn, um, we have a, a sort of a, a contraction energy, a destabilization, the dismantling of structures. Uh, and that's part of a, a natural cycle. So I think that um, one of the things I've really been trying to do is not necessarily bemoan um, the, the malefic planets as quote unquote bad, but just see them as part of a, a cycle of life and, and, and death, uh, of growth and decay, of light and darkness. And if we, if we think about it from that perspective, it's a, I think it's a lot easier to come to terms with the role that the planet has in each of our lives. So speaking of a malefic planet, uh, Mars is going to be moving through the second decan of Pisces and into the third decan where it still has triplicity rulership uh, in the nighttime of the water signs. It will be on the terms of Mercury from 16 to 19 degrees, in its own terms from 19 to 28 degrees, and then it'll have some dignity, sort of a dual dignity, um, both by the Chaldean system and by the triplicity system uh, in the third decan or the third face. So a pretty strong, a pretty strong Mars this week also. Um, Venus will be retrograding still through the sign of Gemini, moving from the second decan of Gemini back into the first decan. And it is in a condition called peregrine where it doesn't have any essential dignity. Uh, it will be in the terms of Jupiter from 6 to 12 degrees. So Venus just went through its Kazemi where it made its conjunction to the sun and now it's coming, uh, basically it's rising from its sickbed or it's rising from uh, being cleansed or reborn in the heart of the sun. And this week, Venus will be escaping the beams or becoming visible in the morning. Uh, at, and I believe that the ancient astrologers have some sort of agreement that a condition of phosphorus happens at about 15 degrees of separation. And that phosphorus is, is an omen that speaks. And it's sort of like we need to pay attention to what kind of Venusian things are happening in our life, because that that particular symbol is going to, the volume is going to be increased in that. So it's like when something comes to light, we need to pay attention. So I'll give you the, the timing on that as we go, but I feel like that happens on Saturday afternoon. So keep your eyes peeled for Venus matters on Saturday afternoon. Um, Mercury will be moving through the second decan of cancer where it has dignity by face in the second decan. Uh, and it also will be on the terms of Venus from 7 to 15 degrees, I believe, uh, 7 to uh, 13 degrees, 13 degrees. And then it'll be on its own terms, the terms of Mercury from 13 
to 19 degrees. So there is some dignity with Mercury. Um, although I will say it's challenging for Mercury to provide for both of these planets that are uh, residing uh, right now temporarily in its own domicile of Gemini. Uh, so the Sun and Venus are in a condition of uh, aversion to their host, which means that they, its host Venus is, I'm sorry, Mercury, the host, is in a sign that cannot see its own temple or its own house. And it's very difficult for Mercury to be able to provide resources in the, in the Hellenistic scheme here for those planets because it is in a blind spot. So you can think about it like um, the Sun and Venus are hanging out at Gemini's house, but Gemini, or but, or at, excuse me, at Mercury's house, but Mercury is completely unaware that they're there and can't really tell them, you know, the code to the garage or where where the fridge is or or all of these things. So they're kind of left to their own devices, and that can be, that can be make it very difficult for the planets that are residing in that particular area of the zodiac to to do the jobs that they need to do. It's like they don't really have the resources of the host. Um, so that's what's going on with Mercury this week. And Mercury is, is really highlighting our thought process about how we are trying to provide nurturing for one another. And especially how we are bringing, um, bringing things to fruition. In that second decan of cancer, uh, Austin Cobbett calls that decan the walled garden, um, where we, we, we have an idea that has been planted or a seed, and now we're trying to protect that seed. Uh, and provide the right conditions for it to grow into its full potential. So a lot of our, our thought processes may be, how do we grow something to its full potential? Now that's going to cause some uh, challenges because of a whole sign opposition to all of this pileup in Capricorn with Pluto and, and Jupiter there and the moon at the beginning of the week, um, because we're going to be simultaneously trying to dismantle some of the old structures that aren't serving us anymore. So this is going to be some of the conflict that we may be experiencing is how asking questions about what we want to build and what we want to nurture while simultaneously trying to figure out what needs to be dismantled. And that can, you know, that takes some time to figure out. And I think it's, no one's going to bemoan anyone if they don't have all the answers right away. I think this is the, the, the uh, approach that I've been taking lately is, um, trying to ask questions. You know, I've been uh, holding back from making too many statements beyond the statement that, um, you know, Black Lives Matter, <laughs> that, uh, you know, we have a system that isn't treating people equally and is in, uh, unjust and that there is definitely changes that need to be made. And I don't want to be, you know, equivocal about that, or I don't want to be ambiguous about that. that. That's where I stand on that. And But I think that the um, that being said, trying to figure out what to do about all of this is a, is a different process. And I've seen, you know, on social media, I've seen a lot of people who are well-meaning, that are confused about what, what to do or what to say. And I think that's normal. And I think that one of the things that we're experiencing as a collective um, is a a dichotomy between two lived experiences. Um, you know, you have the, the lived experience of, of the black community or people of color or people who have experienced oppression and uh, 
they are having a uh, that is coming to a boiling point after many, many decades and even centuries of inequality. And then you have the, the, the experience of uh, the majority or, or white people who are uh, some, some of those folks are overtly racist and, and you know, people are doing their best to, to highlight that and call that out when they see it and denounce it. Um, and then we have people that are uh, maybe unintentionally uh, creating inequality due to benefiting from a system that they have been a part of their entire life uh, through their privilege. And I, I will say, without getting too, too deep into these waters, um, there, there are ways that, that people are privileged that are, um, you can be privileged because you're white and still be oppressed in different ways. Like there's economic oppression. Uh, there is, uh, you know, oppression based on your sexual orientation. There's oppression based on your gender. And, you know, I think that one of the things that I've been really trying to educate myself on is trying to recognize these movements as, you know, they are both at the same time individual movements and something that speaks to uh, a general uh, condition as well, you know, of like equality as human beings and things of that nature. And we can fall into the trap of saying all lives matter. Uh, and I've, I've seen some really great um, documentation about, you know, why that is sort of offensive um, or it or can be misconstrued, especially because, you know, you have a uh, the best example I've seen is when you can see that um, a house is on fire and somebody walks up and is like, oh my God, my house is on fire. And you could, you could equate the Black Lives Matter movement to the house that's on fire. And someone walks up and says, you know, well, all houses matter. And start spraying water on all the houses, you know, <laughs> you know one of them's on fire and one of them is like, the, you know, in, da in danger. The other ones don't necessarily need the water right now. And yes, uh, we're not going to say that, that that house isn't important, but uh, there is a, a, a hierarchy of needs that we have to kind of uh, think about at the moment. And I thought that was just the kind of the best way of thinking about it. Um, and there's all sorts of other unconscious biases that we may have as, uh, as white people as well that we may be living within that we don't even realize that we have. And that's been something that I've been really trying to examine lately and try to dismantle any of those unconscious biases. Because just as the people that were born into uh, oppression, other people were born into privilege. And part of the privilege is not having to think about these things or not, not having it be at the forefront of your consciousness. And that, that, in addition, is a privilege and a luxury. So I think that um, that's the approach I'm taking right now. I'm trying to be as supportive as I can and trying to listen as much as I can. Try not to make as many declarative, I'm trying not to make declarative statements beyond denouncing the, the inequality itself. Um, I don't have to educate everyone, I guess, on things. I don't have to speak for people of color. I'm just trying to listen and trying to learn. And um, I think that, that that education starts by, by taking personal responsibility for our own cultural biases. Um, 
And that's very, uh, that's very Gemini. That's very North Node in Gemini is asking the questions. And so if we bring it back to astrology, I think it's a great time right now to, especially at this eclipse, to increase the head of the dragon, your uncertainty and your ability to, to hold duality, excuse me. Um, and I think that that's what Gemini and Mercury are asking us to do in the North Node is how do we hold uh, many different facets of a similar thing? Like as human beings, our experience is multivalent. And what may be true for one person may not be completely true for another. Uh, like I said, you can have privilege in one area of your life and simultaneously be oppressed in another area of your life. And those two things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. So I, I think that what K2 or the South Node is asking us to do in Sagittarius, being uh, provided for by resources by Jupiter in its fall in, in Saturn sign, is asking us to dismantle some of our old assumptions, some of our old belief systems that are guiding our morality and our uh, the um, the unified systems that we're a part of. So we're composting those old systems, and hopefully that fall in Jupiter, the the uh, the highlighting of the inequality of the unfairness is providing the seed for future growth. And I've gone back and forth around about this over and over again in my forecasts when we talk about the, you know, the farming metaphor or the gardening metaphor is nature is cyclical and we have periods of growth and we have periods of decay and they are both equally valid and necessary for the unity of experience to happen. And it's really brought an appreciation for planets like Saturn and Mars in my experience. Now, just on a personal note, you know, I think that one of the things that I've been working through personally is uh, growing up in a family that is, was not overtly racist, but had like, you know, I grew up in a Midwestern town where uh, in a, you know, a Protestant family, I mean, we weren't like overly religious or anything like that, but, you know, based on Protestant values and there are basically two emotions that uh, those types of families are comfortable with. You have a Protestant work ethic type of feeling where you kind of grind it out and work and work and work. And then you have this sort of like feigned um, joy or where you're saying everything is okay as long as we're peaceful and we're not creating a ruckus or whatever. And then that, that's a luxury. And I think that uh, while there may not have been overtly racist things happening in my upbringing, um, that uh, there's plenty of like ignoring something because they could. And there was plenty of like not wanting to rock the boat and like fearing things that were, or, or having an uncomfortable feeling with things that were different than you. And that's, that was, that's baked into our system. And I think that what I would encourage um, my fellow um, white friends to do is just live with that feeling of uncertainty and that, that discomfort. And that will help you. That'll be the beginnings and the stirrings of empathy for, I think, for people of color. They're experiencing that on a much, much greater scale 
every single uh, every single day. And I don't know. There's lots of resources. I'll, I'll try to link to as many resources that I've been finding helpful in, in the comment section or in the description of this video uh, and this podcast. So you can do some more research if that's uh, what you feel called to do. Um, so the moon this week, I just wanted to say that because I think that it is important to speak. We do need to speak up about these things and, and try to contextualize uh, our experiences if we're going to be try to be thought leaders, and especially in something as important as trying to find meaning within astrology. I've said over and over again that um, as objective as I try to be in my astrological forecasts, I can't help but filter uh, the way that I interpret the symbols through my subjective perspective. And that subjective perspective has cultural realities and has cultural realities in being a white cisgendered straight man in America and all of the things that that entails. And, you know, it's, it's important to recognize that and acknowledge that and, and then see what we can, what we can do about it um, as far as furthering um, more unity and more uh, equality and more justice. All right. So, the moon is going to be uh, waning after the, the full moon eclipse. And, you know, it's full moon today, so my thoughts are going to be fairly unfiltered. I will say that last week, uh, I, tried to, I tried to speak on these types of things. It was just too, it was too fresh and too raw, and I was feeling very sad, emotional, angry, frustrated, confused. And I honestly didn't know what to say. And I tried to, I think, rush through the astrology and um, just stick to the symbols. And uh, I think it turned out okay. But I did want to, you know, kind of address some things a little bit more, more head on. Um, because we're, we're in a really, really important time in our history as a planet and as a country and as a set of communities that are trying to figure out how we're going to treat one another moving forward. Okay, so this moon is, is waning now from the full to the last quarter. It's going to be moving through its exile in Capricorn to start the, the week. Uh, it'll be in the triplicity, the earth triplicity by the nighttime rulership in Capricorn. The moon in Aquarius will have dignity by face in the third decan, and then the moon will be peregrine in both Pisces and Aries. Okay, so I'm going to move forward to Monday, June the 8th, and we're going to talk a little bit about our daily astrology. What a time. What a time. Um, okay, on Monday the 8th, the moon is going to be in Capricorn in its full moon phase still. We're still going to be unpacking all of the... Uh, revelations that may have come to light uh, from our eclipse and the old belief systems that we may have needed to let go of and the, the new uh, questions that we may be asking to try to bring about uh, a, new, a new, type of, um, new type of society. Uh, the moon will be sextiling Neptune at 425 a.m., 20 degrees of Capricorn to 20 degrees of Pisces. It will be making a conjunction to retrograde Pluto at 24 degrees of Capricorn at 11 a.m. And then it will conjoin retrograde Jupiter at 2.05 p.m. 
at 8.54 p.m., the moon is going to move into uh, Aquarius and then conjoin with retrograde Saturn at 11.16 p.m. Okay, so if we're looking at the astrology here, we've got Venus that just made a conjunction with the sun a few days prior. It is now the morning star. It is still under the beams of the sun. So a lot of the negotiations, a lot of the, the peacemaking efforts still may be challenging, but we are trying to figure this out. It may even be hidden right now. We may not necessarily know the, the correct ways to create that unity. Um, one thing I think about Venus and the Kazemi moment, and in trying to center myself today, I turned on some music, and uh, as I was, you know, cleaning myself up, and uh, it's been a while since I just sat down and listened to music. Um, and I think it's good to reconnect with with the arts and with music, especially at times like this. I think we can get overwhelmed with um, what I like to call misery scrolling, <laughs> and like uh, seeing all the images of violence and. And all of these, uh, you know, challenging circumstances. And it is important to have awareness of those things. Um, I think the role of art, though, is to give us a catharsis for the emotions that we're experiencing. And I've talked about Venus as playing that role in the Greek, uh, ancient Greek um, city structure. She was responsible for the purity of the, um, the narratives around the Greek theater and making sure that they were properly able to bring about catharsis. And catharsis is just the, the processing of heavy emotions. And I think that's really what art helps us do. And here's what was interesting. I have this like 80s Pandora station, you know, like 80s synth pop, and it was the, the Tears for Fears radio. I really like Tears for Fears. And the first song that came on was Everybody Wants to Rule the World. The second song that came on was uh, Crowded Houses, Don't Dream It's Over, where they're basically saying, uh, don't dream it's over and as they try to build the wall between us. And then Ordinary World by uh, Duran Duran, this like wistful, nostalgic song about trying to find your place in the world <laughs> like, while chaos is happening. And I was like, oh my goodness, that, that is definitely... Uh, spirit communicating through that music and it, it puts you in a uh, almost like a trance-like state that helps you connect with the heart and I think that that's important right now is how do we all connect with our hearts and and feel this on a deep level not just on an intellectual level but on a on a heart-centered level as well um, okay so yeah there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on this the um, the other thing that we're seeing this week is a uh, a perfection, well, not a perfection, sorry, but a, a continued application of Jupiter to Pluto, where we have Jupiter within three degrees of Pluto, and I've compared this to sort of like the Darth a Darth Vader aspect, where we're really seeing the corruption and a lot of our systems being brought to light. Uh, I don't even know how to begin to unpack the political stunt that was pulled by the president of the United States last week, where he uh, made a fairly inflammatory um, speech and then tear-gassed peaceful protesters outside of the White House to have a photo op outside of a, a boarded-up uh, church holding an upside-down Bible. Um, 
I mean, that's, and you could see like, and, and then there was a, a video that came out afterwards that basically looked like Darth Vader marching uh, with his stormtroopers to this church. And uh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes the symbolism is pretty, pretty literal. And uh, it, that, that definitely I could see being part of the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction with just um, a lot of corrupt power structures coming to the surface and a lot of the authoritarian type of impulses being laid bare for all to see. And uh, I think it's really important as, as Americans to be aware of that and, and the direction we're going as a country as well, as far as being able to protect our, our freedom and our democracy. And that goes for, for everyone, right? I mean, there's many separate issues happening all at once. We've got the, the treatment of black people by uh, police and people of authority, s systemic inequality. We've got an, a, an oligarchy, uh, people in power that are trying to oppress not just black people, but also, you know, poor people uh, and other, you know, people of color and, and, and just the uh, basic everyday American as well. Um, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. Uh, so many issues all at once happening uh, simultaneously. And that can, that can feel overwhelming. So I, I, I can empathize with you if you're feeling a little bit emotional lately. Um, so that's part of our contextual narrative this week. And, and in, in addition, we have Neptune and Mars making an application this week as well, coming into, the, into a three-degree orbit of one another. Um, and I'm going to break that down in depth as we get to Saturday. But in general, that is adding uh, confusion to the narrative. And, and we're having a lot of difficulty discerning fact from fiction. Um, we may be making sacrifices for our beliefs, but those beliefs may be informed by, uh, you know, things that were based on outdated systems. Okay, I'm going to move to Tuesday, June the 9th. On Tuesday, June the 9th, um, the moon will be in Aquarius in the disseminating phase where we move out of that full moon phase and start to, the, you know, be able to eat the fruit off of the vine and consume the lessons that we learned at the full moon and be able to distribute those ideas to, you know, whoever may need them. The moon is going to be squaring uh, Uranus at 1.29 p.m. from 8 degrees of Aquarius to 8 degrees of Taurus. Uh, the moon is going to be trining retrograde Venus at 9 degrees of Aquarius to 9 degrees of Gemini at 3.14 p.m. And then Venus will be retrograding into the first decan of Gemini around noon, um, where we're going to see a reemergence again of some of those themes that we talked about in previous episodes surrounding the Eight of Swords. Um, this is a, a uh, Jupiter-Mercury-ruled decan by the, um, by the Chaldean system, it is Jupiter, and by the Triplicity system, it is Mercury. And that's one of the things that, you know, that Austin Kopic tries to un unpack in his book, too, is trying to find a balance between those two rulers and forming the meanings of the decan. So we have a proliferation of options we have the growth of uncertainty, uh, and sometimes that can lead to a paralysis. So we may be revisiting some of the, the options that we had before we move forward and make a choice. Um, this was called the, this decan was called the, the apple or the apple of Eden, 
which is reference to the story of Eve and, and the, the biblical garden where she tasted the, the fruit of knowledge and then was thrust into a world of duality and opposites. Um, so it's okay if you're feeling confused right now. Uh, just try to get as much education as you can. I think that's the, if, you're, if you need to do something, I think uh, that, that is the, I think that's the first step is making a well-informed decision based on education. Okay, I'm going to move forward to Wednesday the 10th. So on Wednesday the 10th, um, the moon will be still in Aquarius in that disseminating phase. Uh, we are seeing a trine between the moon and the sun at 20 degrees of Aquarius and Gemini. Um, and then the sun is going to be moving into that third decan of Gemini at 6.30 a.m. And we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Ten of Swords. Whoops, that's a nine. Sorry. So with the Ten of Swords, Austin Coppett calls this an executioner's sword. And also it, the Book of Toth and the Book T call it ruin. And this is the last decan in the Egyptian concept of time. Uh, if I moved my chart forward just a little bit, I, we would look at, uh, a, with Cancer on the Ascendant here, uh, the Thema Mundi, or the, or the birth chart, the natal chart of the world, had Cancer on the Ascendant. And a lot of the meaning that we derive from astrology, in, in particular traditional astrology, comes from the relationship to the, uh, the planets in the Thema Mundi, where those particular houses are placed on the different angles of the chart. And again, on, on, we have cancer on the eastern part of the horizon, representing birth, representing the union of spirit and matter. Okay, And then we have on the, the western side of the chart, the setting part where the sun sets, the separation with Capricorn and, and uh, the concept of death, the con concept of spirit leaving the body. And this is, you know, has associations with the winter solstice, whereas cancer is associated with the summer solstice. So we are building to that summer solstice this week. And when we think about Gemini, we have this destabilizing in-between kind of season with where we have the end of spring or the end. If you don't even want to think about it seasonally, you can think about it as the end of the dominance of the light. Uh, where you have, uh, you know, the, the, the day is increasing in length, but it's preparing for a descent. So when the sun reaches its highest point at the summer solstice, I believe that happens right around one of our next eclipses, around the 21st of June, um, you will see a shift. And so a lot of Gemini significations talk about the destabilization process as we get ready to shift towards the, uh, the sun starting to become, starting to descend in the sky and the night beginning to increase in length. It's, it's still going to be a very powerful sun when we get to Cancer and, and Leo season because the, the, the light is still going to be dominating the darkness, but we will start to see a shift in that type of energy. And I think that there's some really interesting significations with Gemini about ambition. So we are, we are still trying to increase something. But once we get there, there is this reversal. 
And I think that that, that is an interesting way that I, I'm th I've thought about the sign of Gemini and Mercury in general. And with some conversations I've had with my astrology teacher, Chutubhava, in his class and otherwise, where we, we've talked about Mercury as, as being this destabilizing type of planet between the seasons of light and darkness or the, the emphasis of light and darkness. And you have the destabilization of spring where we're kind of getting ready for the descent of the sun. And then in, in Virgo, when Mercury is also the ruler of, of that particular sign, you have the destabilization of the, of the summer where we're getting ready for the shift to the, the nighttime being longer than the day at the fall equinox. Okay. So some really interesting thoughts with that. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this third decan because I, another thing that I've been re-examining with uh, just some of my own thoughts with exploring the decans, but also rereading a lot of Austin Kopic's material and you know coming across some of his thoughts as well. Uh, and this is something that I think is important to, to recognize is that the decans can be seen like uh, nesting dolls. Uh, and as microcosms of the uh, macrocosm system of astrology. So we have like cardinal, fixed, and mutable signs, which are associated with seasons and with light and dark, where we have the introduction of a certain energy with the cardinal. We have the stabilization and the, the union with the fixed. And then we have the destabilization and the separation energy with the mutable. And this is true within each sign as well. We have an introduction of a new type of energy. We see that energy stabilize and, and come into unity with like the spirit of that energy, unifying with material significance or with body. And then we have the separation of that energy. So with Gemini season, we see the introduction of options. We see the introduction of uncertainty. We see the introduction of... Um, intellectualism of ideas. And then in that second decan with the nine of swords, we are feeling conflict over trying to uh, reconcile all the different um, perspectives that we maybe have, that we became aware of at the introductory quote unquote cardinal phase of the sign. And now we're moving into the mutable phase of the sign, the third decan, where we have finally had to make a choice and let go of some of the options, some of the perspectives, let go of trying to make everyone happy. You know, I think this is something else I've been realizing just on another personal note is I tend to be a, a peacemaker and I, I, it's very uncomfortable for me to make anybody unhappy. And my, my instincts, and I have Venus in the second decan of Gemini, my instinct is to try to take these disparate elements and harmonize and listen to all these different perspectives and try to find unity and harmony between them. And it's very, very uncomfortable for me personally to feel like I've upset anyone. And even in the past, like upset people who I vehemently disagreed with. It's, it's to that point. And one of the things that I'm recognizing as we move into this third decan experience is that A, you can't make everybody happy all the time. And that in itself is almost like a form of violence if you are not denouncing something that is uh, wrong 
and being willing to say, no, I actually, this is actually what I believe. And I don't believe this. And if you're not, uh, if you can't support that, we're going to have to agree to disagree. And I, and I do not support where you, where you stand. And I think that's been a real, that's been my biggest breakthrough. I think recently is recognizing my own desire to not want to shake the boat and feel uncomfortable or alienate people. And I think that's a generally, in general, it's a good instinct, but there will be times where you do have to make a choice and you do have to make a stand, hopefully after becoming educated, because I think that it is, right now, especially, it's important not to try to take a stand before you get completely educated on what is going on. For example, there was a kind of a social media movement going around on Instagram where people were putting black squares on their, uh, their uh, Instagram page as a show of solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. And you, say what you will, that, that it may have been token, which it can be argued that it's like, well, what is that going to do? But I think a lot of people were, um, their heart was in the right place. And they were trying to show solidarity. But what ended up happening is they co-opted the Black Lives Matter uh, hashtag and ended up making it more difficult for people who are uh, on the front lines of that movement to find information that they sorely needed. So it ended up being something that, uh, while an intention may have been good, it ended up being a little bit counterproductive. And I think that that's one of the things where it's, it's very important to, to get all of the, as, as much information as you can before taking action. And I, I made the mistake too. I, I saw a lot of people posting this. I was like, I, I want to show solidarity. I don't want to uh, be the person where silence is violence. Um, but after doing some research, I deleted it. And I was like, you know, I, that is, it sounds like that is counterproductive. And also, you know, it's great to have one day where you're saying, oh, I support this. But it, it's a little bit kind of a slap in the face of the movement to uh, say, well, I'm going to show support for this one day. I mean, that's, it, it should be every day. <laughs> you know, it should be every day. You should be working. You can't just like say, oh, I'm going to focus on this for a day and then go back to my, my normal life, whatever. Because that's how, uh, that's how we perpetuate the, the hierarchy that's in place and the system that's in place is by giving it its moment or it's month or whatever, and then going back to business as usual. And I think that that, that may be difficult and misguided as, as well. Um, so anyway, when the sun moves into the third decade of Gemini, we can think about this as uh, we, in relationship to the theme of Mundi and the 12th house as well. So here's something interesting that I'm going to be speaking more about at the Glock Astrology Conference and the relationship of the Thema Mundi and the Tarot. But this 12th house in the Thema Mundi has Gemini on its cusp. And when we talk about angular triads, we can think of these two primary and secondary motions. The movement of the sun is that primary motion. And, and the relationship of the planets to the angles, which were power places. And the zodiacal motion, okay, where we are moving through the zodiac. So we've got these two, uh, this push and this pull type of movement that is giving us 
meaning of the houses. And one of the significations of the 12th house, if we think of that in relationship to the first house, the first house is the place of union, the place of birth, where the soul enters the body, where the breath enters the body. And a lot of times we can think of the ancient astrologers also thought of the 12th house as the house that was on the ascendant just prior to whatever house is there now. So this is a time before birth, like it was associated with labor, with childbed, they called it, the, the process of giving birth. And uh, we can think about this as the uh, seeing all the proliferation of spirit and all of the different souls, okay, and all of the divinity that eventually has to be fixated into a body at a singular point of consciousness. So this last decan being that last uh, point before we enter the body, we're making a choice. And one of those choices, now I don't know if this is exactly how it works because I've never, uh, I, I haven't consciously been dead. So I don't know. But I think the theory would, would go like this, is that if you are, a spirit, let's say you're, we're spirit souls that are entering a mortal body, you have to make a choice or that you, it's not even you make a choice. It's that by becoming a singular point of consciousness, the other forms of consciousness basically are going away. And that doesn't mean that we're not still connected to that higher consciousness through our higher self, but we are experiencing that higher consciousness through our individual perspectives. So in essence, we can see that as the, the death or the ruin of the multiplicity of spirit, right? Or of multiple, of, of unity, I guess, of, of multiple spiritual consciousness into a singular body. That's the making of the choice. Um, in, in Austin Kopic's book, 36 Faces, he tells stories of brothers, Cain and Abel. Um, I believe there was a few other, Polydukes and Castor were the twins. And in many of those stories, one of the, the sons or the twins has to die or, or does die. And the other sacrifices some of its immortality so that the other could live. And in the Polydukes and Castor story, they alternate time between Hades and Mount Olympus. So they kind of are going back and forth uh, between those, the realm of the dead and the realm of the living. So out of the one, out of the many, the one, okay? So I hope that that was clear enough to follow. Um, but I just think it's very interesting to think about this decan of Gemini as being the last one in that concept of time before we have a rebirth. So if we're trying to bring this back down to earth here, we may have an awareness of what needs to be let go of, of how we are different and how our experiences may be different so that we can eventually start to build again to union or unity at the first decan of cancer. First decan of cancer is all about union. It's, it's, it's the union of, of body and soul. It's the union of, hopefully, it'll be the union of, you know, our disparate perspectives to be able to nurture something that is supportive for more people that makes them a more fair and just society moving forward. But we're going to have to do the hard work of figuring out what stays and what goes in, in this last decade of Gemini. 
the other cool thing, and this is uh, coming about as I've focused a little bit more on using both of the rulers of a, of a Deccan. I, I was focusing on the Chaldean rulers uh, for a while, and then you know, some more information came to light about kind of the balancing between those two rulers, Chaldean and Triplicity rulers. And that really actually sheds a lot of light on the situation. In the third decan of Gemini, it is duly ruled by the sun and Saturn. And that is a perfect representation of the selection quality, the sun. If we go back to uh, Robert Schmidt and what, what kind of key words he gave us for the essential essences of a planet, the sun was selection. The sun was the king. The sun was divinity. The sun was saying, I choose this. This is who I am. And Saturn was, this is what I'm not. This is, I'm, this is exclusion. This is darkness. So there is a, a, a choice that has to be made and say, this is who I am and this is what I am not. And I hope that I'm doing this here in this podcast today and, and making it very clear where I stand on some of these things and what I don't support. Um, and th there may be pain through that. There may be, uh, you may make some people upset and that's okay. You know, uh, the people that are upset by things like injustice and inequality or, or the people that are upset about those things and aren't, um, do not support them. If you're upset by me saying something about that, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. We're going to disagree. And I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with feeling the discomfort of that disapproval because at a certain point you have to be like, no, this, this is where I stand. And I hope that there is a, I think that this will be part of what we are doing as a collective over the next week is saying, uh, a lot of us may be saying, uh, this, is, this is what I believe and this is what I reject. And that's okay. I'm going to live with the discomfort that that brings up in potentially in some of my relationships. Maybe that might bring discomfort with some of your family members or some of your friends. And this too shall pass. You know, I think that before we get uh, the unity, we're going to feel the separation uh, very acutely. But that, that feeling of discomfort is the primordial um, substance that le later leads to manifestation of something better. Okay. So that's what I've got for Wednesday, the 10th. Let's move forward to Thursday, the 11th. Okay. Let's look at Thursday, the 11th. Hold on. Let me just get my notes set up here. Can you tell it's a full moon or an eclipse? Everything is coming out into the open. We're taking emotional risks to talk about our true feelings. And hopefully we'll all live to see another day, you know, even if we experience some conflict because of our our belief systems. Isn't it interesting to see what, uh, oh, my notes aren't cooperating here. Sorry, I'm stalling so I can get my notes to stand up. Okay, let's move forward to Thursday, 
But yes, isn't it interesting to see that sometimes peace, greater peace comes from discord and disharmony, and sometimes disharmony comes from trying to uh, maintain peace at any cost. Uh, and that's some of the dualities that we have to be able to hold right now with, uh, with Gemini season. Okay, on Thursday the 11th, the moon is going to be moving into Pisces at 5.31 a.m., moving through its disseminating phase still. It's going to be making a square to retrograde Venus at about 10.34 p.m. at 8 degrees of Pisces and Gemini. The moon is going to sextile Uranus at 11.20 p.m. at 9 degrees of Pisces and Taurus. And then the big aspect of the day is the sun is going to be making a square to Neptune while Mars is applying very closely to a conjunction. That conjunction isn't going to perfect until uh, Friday, Saturday, until Saturday, but we're going to be seeing some of the same themes caught up within it. So let's break down the Sun, Neptune, with Mars being part of the conversation here. So squares were, of course, the nature of Mars. Okay. And we have a, uh, a conflict between our proliferation of options that we are trying to make a choice between what is going to stay and what is going to go with the sun uh, being in the third decan of Gemini. All the things that I just described when, when I talked about that in regards to it moving into that third decan on, on Wednesday. And then Neptune moving through the third decan of Pisces. Now, the third decan of Pisces is pretty interesting. The card associated with it is the Ten of Cups. And in it, you can see a family or two figures and some children playing, exalting this rainbow ahead of them, up above them, that have the Ten of Cups on the rainbow. A very idyllic picture of a dream, a dreamscape. And if we break down the different narrative of Pisces, in the first decade, we saw a figure leaving the material reality behind, leaving success behind. Um, and that was the introduction of that energy in search of some sort of spiritual ideal, some sort of Jupiterian uh, guiding moral light. And in the second decade, we have a stabilization of that energy where we're trying to bring it into form. And then in the third decan, which is a Mars-ruled decan, uh, in both systems. So this is interesting where we have two separate rulers and then, planet, or then decans that have uh, a ruler that is the same that we should pay attention to. Mars is the ruler of that third decan of Pisces. And um, so we have a sacrifice or are willing to fight for or you know, sever for and sacrifice for belief systems. For what we believe, and this uh, this is this is an interesting time because, in addition to Mars being uh, moving into its own decan at the end of the week, it's going to be making contact with Neptune, and Neptune is a planet uh, that, from what I understand, which I, I will admit is somewhat limited, some of the uh, significations of Neptune and you know, Pluto and Uranus, I think are still formulating as 
we've only really discovered those planets uh, in the last 200 years or so, whereas we've had significations for the seven visible planets for thousands of years. So uh, there is definitely still some uh, uncertainty as to exactly what they do. I, some of the things I've been referencing have been uh, Richard Tarnas's work, and then one of his kind of students or disciples, Ren Butler, who has greatly exp expounded on some of the uh, aspects that uh, of the outer planets as well. But when we talk about Neptune, we can describe it, you know, the, the, some of the cliches around it are illusion, uh, transcend, a desire to transcend, a desire to escape. Uh, there are also significations associated with toxicity, um, with uh, wanting to leave the, the known behind and, and pretend like things are okay when they're not. Uh, there, there is a uh, very real quality of losing steam or energy or like a, a, a delusion of energy that comes with Neptune as well. It's almost like an intoxication. I believe that Tarnas compares, uh, well, no. I was going to say that he compares it to Dionysus, but Dionysus actually is his, one of his comparisons for Pluto. So that analogy isn't going to necessarily work. But th there is a, a quality of, of drunkenness, I think, with, with Neptune as well. And so we have to be careful that Neptune is generally uh, trying to bring some kind of veil over our material reality. And recognize that the very real need to want to, I guess you could almost call it like a spiritual bypassing, right? And the concept of spiritual bypassing is when we're trying to ignore our reality and, and then, you know, uh, explain it away with some kind of spiritual kind of concept. And that is something that is very prevalent in the astrological community as well. Um, that's something we have to be really careful about as astrologers is, you know, not acknowledging people's lived experiences and then trying to frame everything in some kind of spiritual context. It's, it's dangerous waters when you're doing stuff like this. Um, but I think awareness is the key. So again, at 5.37 a.m., we're going to see this square. The seed of this aspect was on the 8th of March in 2020. And I believe this is right when we started to get, the, the, the noise started to get ramped up on coronavirus and what was happening with all of that. Um, that was about 18, at about 18 degrees of Pisces when we saw the conjunction happen. And now we have this first quarter phase. Okay, so this is like the material crisis point of that. Uh, and this is, could be a point where we are uh, being deceived, where there is self-deception self or escapism, challenges to our spiritual purpose and vision. We could have confusion about what we really believe. Now, both of these planets, Mars and Neptune, are being provided for by Jupiter that is in its fall. So a lot of the um, belief systems that, we're, that are guiding our actions, Mars, are being provided for by Jupiter in a place that is trying to compost the old belief systems. So I could see we could be taking action to dismantle the old systems. Now, we could also be, we have to be aware that we also could be fighting to maintain something old that is rooted in material security as well. So that's two sides of the same coin. Whenever you have power structures, you're going to have people that are 
uh, fighting to maintain the status quo and maintain their power. And then you will have people that don't have power that are fighting to dismantle it and try to bring, you know, equality. This is just basic human nature dynamics, you know? Uh, so we're going to see both of those things. And I think we're seeing those things with the Black Lives Matter movement. And we're seeing the doubling down on authoritarianism from uh, the Trump administration in America and a movement on that end towards trying to maintain uh, power by any means necessary. And that, that was, I, I don't think that's very up for debate at this point when you see someone who is gassing their own citizens for a, a photo opportunity when they were peacefully protesting. And they can spin it however they want. That's the other thing we're going to see with Mars and Neptune is an, an enormous amount of gaslighting and spin. I think I, I, I did warn you earlier in the year, and I shared this article on my page, that get ready to be gaslighted like you've never been gaslighted before in America, because that is, that's the way that authoritarian regimes try to distort your reality. Uh, and this also can be, I will say in defense too, we have to be conscious of uh, all of our sources of, of media also that we're consuming because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, that's why I said it's important to get your information from a lot of different sources, trying to find as objective of a source as you can. Um, I will also say that on the flip side, if I'm going to be very Gemini about this, uh, if you trust nothing, it will be very hard to get any truth. I think that it is important to ask questions, but I think that sometimes we take this to the opposite extreme too, and that's where we get a lot of the conspiracy theorists where we say, well, everything, every mainstream thing is trying to lie to us. And I think that it's dangerous to go to either extreme um, because then we can get to a point of paranoia that might lead us to miss information that is actually rooted in truth. So if, if I don't have a great solution for you beyond just trying to be as open as you can to a lot of different sources. Um, yeah, it's really, it's, it's, it's tough waters out there. I mean, and, and I will say this too. The algorithms that we have on both social media and through our uh, nightly news, and this is true too, a lot of them are designed to rile us up as well. Um, you know, we only see things in the news that are, uh, the, are violent. Um, I think that that is definitely there was there is narrative crafting that happens um and that's dangerous as well we've seen in a lot of the peaceful protest movements um agitators that are trying to incite violence that are not part of those movements at all they're just chaotic chaos agents and what ends up happening is sometimes we get the focus on the agitators rather than on the people who are actually trying to peacefully advocate for what they're doing and that, that is something that, that I think is very Mars-Neptune uh, squared Gemini planets because a lot of the information and communication we're receiving is steeped in this veil of uncertainty. Um, and, I, and I empathize with you if you're trying to separate fact from fiction right now because it is, it is a really tough go. Um, so anyway, back to the square. We, we have to be aware that we may have... Uh, leadership represented by the sun that could also be falling under this kind of self-sacrificing 
I guess you could call it almost like a holy war type of uh, experience. And we saw this with, make no mistake, what Donald Trump was doing by his propaganda photo was, was basically signaling and, and using religion as a prop and trying to uh, gain the support of, of Christians uh, who, I don't know, man, it, it, it's, it's, if you go study the history of fascist re regimes, Donald Trump has gone down the list one by one and, and played that, uh, that game one by one on the list. Uh, and this happened in Nazi Germany too, where uh, authoritarian control was appealing to uh, religion and using religion as a front to exercise control over people. And I, I think it's really important to, to recognize that when it's happened or when it is happening. Um, so I say that the sun representing leadership could be diluted by that square with Mars and Neptune. Uh, we have a savior complex. We have a, a you know, a people trying to make this about the righteous versus the unrighteous and, uh, you know, using religion as a, as a tool. And the actual, um, the bishop of the church that Trump did, pulled this stunt came out and denounced that behavior completely and was like, I don't support this. This is using our church for a political stunt. And it's a, it's a real shame. And it's a real shame uh, that we have someone who is trying to abuse faith to do these things. Because there's plenty of people out there who are uh, Christian or worshiping in a way that is peaceful. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of value that is brought into people's lives through a number of their different faiths. And I'm not trying to equate Christians with being, uh, you know, supporters of Trump, because there's plenty that aren't. Uh, I'm just trying to point out abusing religion for political reasons. And I think that that is a possibility with the square of Neptune and the sun with Mars present. Okay. I'm going to move to Friday. Isn't this fun? We're getting closer and closer to the full moon eclipse. Oh boy. On Friday, June the 12th, the moon will be in Pisces in the disseminating phase still. Uh, it will be making a trine to Mercury at 8.06 a.m. at 13 degrees of Pisces to 13 degrees of Cancer. Uh, it is going to be conjoining Mars at 20 degrees of Pisces at 10.12 p.m. and then conjoining Neptune uh, at 10.50 p.m. Now, the big astro news of the day is Mars slipping into that third decan of Pisces that we've been talking about. Uh, so, again, that third decan is, is, can be likened to a crusade, it, and it's asking us, what are we willing to sacrifice for our beliefs? And while I was mentioning the abuse of some of those types of uh, belief systems, as far as trying to, you know, exert authoritarian control, there are also maybe folks out there that are inspired by uh, a righteous cause and trying to figure out how what sacrifices are necessary to bring about the vision into reality. And uh, I, I think that um, it is important, though, to recognize 
and to ask ourselves, what are we sacrificing for? What is appropriate? How much sacrifice is appropriate uh, without falling prey to martyrdom? I think that is a, a, a challenge with this placement and a risk that we run is, is becoming martyrs. Um, this Deccan was described as the, the height of agony and ecstasy. So there are some times where we may have the, the happy the happy ending, the Hollywood ending, the ideal is the ideal being manifested into form. Um, but there's also equal an equal amount of stories in this Deccan of a failure to bring about the idealized vision and the the heartbreak of not being able to uh, accomplish the dream. So those two things are being held simultaneously as we are moving through this particular Deccan. Now, I wrote in my notes, it says, what are you willing to sacrifice for? How can you direct your will, Mars, in a productive fashion rather than being confused with emotion and passion? So that's true too. Like with Mars in this particular placement, this is not a surgical Mars. If we think about Mars in, in Virgo, this is the placement I have in, in my chart, there's precision involved with it. There is like a very dry kind of analytical way that we may be trying to exert our, our martial will. When it's in Pisces, it's flooded with passion. It's like, it's, a, it's kind of like uh, you getting filled with a battle cry. It's like the, the Viking battle cry, you know, like, like uh, um, what is that Led Zeppelin song? You know, like, you know, ah, that's that's Mars in Pisces, where you get this this Viking war cry. And you're filled with all this passion, and you may be just slashing in many different directions, right? And and I think it's important to recognize that um, when we are trying to enact change and fight for some kind of divine ideal, we do have to attempt to direct that energy in a productive way. If you're just flailing on social media or I, even in like with, with, you know, the protests, if you're flailing around in all different directions without uh, a, a, a this is all my Virgo talking right now, without a very directed sense of purpose, uh, it may not be as effective as it could be if it was directed into the proper channel. Now, play devil's advocate for a second. Sometimes you need the emotional uh, boost and the emotional energy to make that final push to the desired outcome. And that may be what we're getting from Mars in that last decade of Pisces as well. Okay, so let's move forward to Saturday the 13th. Okay, on Saturday, June 13th, the moon's gonna be moving from Pisces into Aries at 5.03 p.m. and moving into the last quarter phase. All right. So our last quarter moon perfects at 2.23 a.m. So we could feel the, the buildup to that on Friday. And we're going to be dealing with this crisis of, of uh, this existential crisis at the last quarter. The moon makes a sextile to retrograde Pluto at 5.56 a.m. And then sextiles retrograde Jupiter at 8.44 a.m. And then moves into Aries at 5.03 p.m. And basically uh, sextiles Saturn, retrograde Saturn, at 1 degree and 7.12 p.m. So uh, in addition to the last quarter moon, Mars is going to be making that conjunction to Neptune. So all the things we've been talking about 
with Neptune and, the, and Mars in the third decade of Pisces is going to come together for an important moment where we have to figure out um, what we're doing with our, our martial will. Now, this could be a point where we're either losing steam or we may be, you know, flailing about and making sacrifices that are, that are potentially misguided too with, with Neptune providing an illusion. They also could be divinely inspired. Uh, that's the flip side of this is we, we could have some kind of um, divinely spire, inspired actions that we're taking. Although I will warn you and take this very seriously that Jupiter, the planet that, that generally guides us to our higher self, is not in good shape right now. If the divinely inspired actions are through dismantling unjust systems, that's what Jupiter's doing right now. So that's what is going to be supported on a planetary level is really taking a hard look at the systems that we're a part of and not necessarily, we're not at the moment where we have to grow a new one overnight right now. I, I would say that that may be, that moment is coming and that moment may be coming, you know, when Jupiter makes that conjunction with Saturn at the winter solstice, but this still is a period of dismantling the old and shining light on the, the difficulty that we may be experiencing so that we can have that future growth. Now, when we have a last quarter moon, we're going to be experiencing another square. So this is of the nature of Mars. So again, this is conflict. This is action. This is crisis. This is 2K. Okay, when we, 2K being the distributions of fate that may be a little bit more randomized and Mars being of the night sect, uh, and associated and has its joy in the sixth house was associated with negative twists of fate. Um, whereas Venus was ran more randomized good fortune. And if we talk about it from the spirit houses here, Saturn was, you know, more about punitive justice and, and uh, trying to stabilize some of that negative fortune. Whereas Jupiter is trying to bring stability in, in through its good fortune. So remember, we can think of everything in relationship to the sun and the moon. The sun being solar and unifying, uh, being of the one, being stabilizing, whereas the moon is bringing, it's, it's changeable. It brings about fluctuations. It brings about change. It brings things into being and out of being. All right, so at this last quarter phase of the, the uh, solar lunar cycle, we're coming to the uh, point where we have to decide through sacrifice what is going the final choice that we're going to make in Gemini and we may have a lot of uh, hard feelings about it a lot of difficult feelings that come up a lot of uncomfortable feelings where we are really trying to where we're probably getting very emotional and and trying to figure out uh, based on our belief systems what we're going to let go and what we are going to support so I think that that is the existential crisis. And this may be a pivotal point of changing your mind. If you've been on the fence about all this lately, this may be the point where you're just like, you know what? I can no longer support a corrupt administration. I can no longer support systemic racism. I can no longer support you know, things that are out of alignment with my higher self. And I hope it is for a lot of you. And if you're already on that train, it could be just the, you know, there could be other things in your personal life that you're letting go of as well. 
um, I've been really gearing these more towards the collective lately because since we're since we're really experiencing a, a very uh, important moment as a society and with all these outer planet transits that we're going through too it's almost like we're we can't help but be almost at the mercy of the collective right now that doesn't mean we can't make personal changes we can but i think they do have to be in context with the the collective you know things like the pandemic and the choices we're making with that uh things like institutional racism and our choices in relationship to that uh things like how are we going to support um different forms of government because that affects people not just ourselves as well um so interesting interesting things in regards to that now the other thing that happens on saturday the 13th venus is going to be emerging from under the beams so we can see now we have about a 15 degree separation between venus and the sun so what happens is venus is now now becomes visible as a morning star and Venus is, a, is more of a warrior Venus when she isn't the morning star. So we may be fighting for peace or, or we may be seeing more of the issues that, that we have been silently contemplating uh, coming out into the open. Some of the attempts to bring unity to these disparate uh, perspectives may come to light. Now, it still may be difficult. We still may not have all the great answers, but, you know, Venus is retrograde. It's a little bit difficult still for Our Lady Venus to bring about the harmony that, that she normally desires. But I would say that pay attention to what happens on Saturday because Venus is going to be speaking a little bit louder and, and it coincides with that last quarter moon. So this is a great time to let go of things, to ask yourself questions about your beliefs and really do the hard emotional work to really self-examine and examine your role in this collective narrative. Um, personally, I have a last quarter moon by birth, and I, I'm constantly asking myself questions, and are the actions that I'm taking, um, you know, just? Are the action, are, is what I'm doing right? And a lot of times that brings a lot of confusion and paralysis because I just go back and forth and back and forth about it. But for this period of time, that is what is uh, well supported by the lunar cycle. Because what you're doing is trying to integrate the lessons from that uh, new moon in Gemini and let go of this lunar cycle so we get prepared for a very big new start in the sign of Cancer, which happens on the solstice. All right? Around the 21st, we have a, a, a new moon solar eclipse that is enormous in its importance. Um, there, it, it happens to happen right on the America's sun. Uh, in the Sibley chart. So our country in particular is going to be having uh, quite a big turning of the page and a new chapter that we are beginning. Um, and we'll see what that means. The other thing to pay attention to as we move forward into that season is Mercury is going to be kind of stuck. It's going to go retrograde pretty soon, which isn't going to help. Uh, and it's also going to be stuck in a malefic enclosure between um, between Mars and Saturn, okay? And I think, is it there now? I think it may be there now. Yeah, because we have Mercury casting its ray to 13 degrees Pisces and then casting its other ray 
Well, no, it's not quite yet there yet. Because here's why: because Saturn needs to move into Capricorn before it's going to be um, perfecting that malefic enclosure. But it will be in the weeks ahead, which could make our communications even more challenging. Um, and I know that that's not the greatest news that everyone wants to hear. But again, I think the takeaway from this forecast this week is be okay with not having all the answers and with some of your discomfort. You don't have to fix everything right away. You just have to kind of recognize the problem first. And then collectively, we're going to be able to live live into the answers, and we'll be able to take actions that are much more well-informed if we're able to sit with some of the discomfort for a period of time, okay? Um, let's move forward to Sunday the 14th. On Sunday the 14th, the moon will be in Aries, continuing our last quarter phase, and it will be sextiling retrograde Venus at 8.24 a.m., at seven degrees of Aries and Gemini, and then it will be squaring Mercury from 14 degrees Aries to 14 degrees Cancer at 10.07 p.m. So a continuation of, the, of some of the themes we talked about on Saturday. Um, not a whole lot of big, big aspects happening on Sunday. We're just kind of gonna be continuing the process of our last quarter moon that I discussed on Saturday. Okay, so looking ahead to the 15th through the 21st. On Thursday the 18th, Mercury is going to be uh, stationing retrograde at 14 degrees of Cancer. So again, complicating some of our communications as we build towards the solstice and the shift from uh, the Sun from Gemini into, into Cancer. Uh, Mars is going to be making a sextile to retrograde Pluto on Thursday the 18th as well. And then on Saturday, uh, the weekend of that week, next week, we have some pretty big, big stuff going on. On Saturday the 20th, Mars is going to be sextiling Jupiter retrograde at 25 degrees of Pisces and Capricorn. The sun makes its ingress into Cancer at the summer solstice. That is when the day becomes uh, at its longest point and starts to shift where the night starts to increase again, so a, a major turning point. Um, and then on Sunday the 21st, we have our new moon solar eclipse at zero degrees of Cancer uh, with a retrograde um, Mercury. Um, with Mercury being, I believe it will be at the starting to become into that malefic enclosure. I don't think necessarily that Saturn will be in Cancer yet. Nope. So not quite in malefic enclosure, but moving forward past that eclipse point, uh, we may see some rough sailing in the middle of July uh, for, uh, in particular. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough rest of the year. And I. I feel you if you are, are struggling. And I know that there's a lot of different ways to struggle and, and to feel pain and hardship. And I, I, want, I want to tell you that I, I, I hear and I feel you and I acknowledge your pain. And I hope that um, we all can do better to, to come together as a community for, for change and for peace and for justice and for equality and, and to create a, a new system. I really want to emphasize that the Jupiter-Saturn uh, conjunction at the winter solstice heralds an enormous shift uh, from the, um, in ancient astrology, they thought of the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction as a, uh, a marker of like, I guess, how the collective is responding, like the, the regime change. You know, Jupiter and Saturn were, were authority figures 
and they make conjunctions roughly every 20-ish years. Um, and they make conjunctions in certain elements for about a 200 uh, to 250 year period. And we've had those conjunctions in earth signs for the last 200-ish years. And this will be the first time, bar, you know, barring a, a one little blip in the early 80s, where we're going to have this Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions happening in air signs. So it's, it's an enormous uh, elemental shift in the way that we view the collective and the way that we uh, build our collective um, societies and the way that we, we share ideals. And it's going to be different. And this is just the, uh, the, the growing pains, the labor pains. These are the 12th house labor pains before that new birth. And it's going to be tough and, and it's going to be a long drawn out effort. Um, and we're probably going to have to practice our our breathing exercises, our, our lamans, right? <laughs> like we may have to squeeze something really tight and have a support system around us. But eventually what happens after the end of all that effort and that blood and that, you know, screaming and crying is we have this beautiful, beautiful baby that just an expression of something we've been hopefully growing for a long time. And we get to take a rest and recover and hopefully we get to nurture that new being even if that new being is a, a new idealism and it makes all the struggle and the effort and all of the pushing and contractions the contractions that's a better word the contractions it makes all that effort worthwhile and in the middle of it we may feel like we're dying but eventually we get relief from that. And what is born from that is something that we will cherish for the rest of our life. So that's what I've got for you this week. I hope that you are doing okay. Uh, I care about you. And I hope that uh, you are finding what you need through these times. And tr treat each other well if you can. Try to, try to have as much understanding for someone else's perspective as you possibly can. And, and do the do the hard work of self-examination as well, because I think that's where it really starts is, is within. Um, I did want to tell you that I will be making an appearance on uh, Stormy Grace's channel, talking about the planets, um, a wonderful astrologer who's had some really great guests recently. And that will be, I believe, June 10th. Uh, hold on a second. Let me make sure. I think that's June 10th, June 10th or 11th. Uh, when is it? What is it? <laughs> yes, June 10th at 11 a.m. will be live on YouTube on Stormy Grace's astrology channel. We're going to be talking about the planets. Uh, I believe Stephen Forrest just did a, uh, an interview with her. And I'll be talking about, I think, the seven visible planets and potentially the outers. I don't know, but it should be a really great conversation. Uh, Stormy sounds like a really great interviewer and very knowledgeable on the topic. So if you want to tune in live for that, I believe that it'll probably be a, a replay as well. So make sure you check that out. And if you like what you're seeing here, uh, click that like button and, and subscribe. And I'm going to put re some resources in the description of this video if you want to learn more about how to be um, anti-racist and how to, you know, figure out how to be supportive if you're, if you're struggling to figure out what, what you should do. Um, because some of those resources have been really helpful for me and helped me really... Uh, really do a lot of, uh, take a hard look at, at, at 
what my behaviors may be or the assumptions I may have had, even if I wasn't fully conscious or aware of them. So anyway, uh, hang in there, everybody. Uh, this too shall pass and um, be the change you want to see. Take care. Peace.